This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help, seek out a qualified medical services provider or other healthcare professional. Welcome to the Live Your Yoga podcast, a podcast dedicated to discovering and sharing all the ways in which yoga can be lived off the mat. Real stories by real people, just like you. Welcome to the Leave Your Yoga podcast. I'm Juan, faculty member for the Your Yoga Flow Teacher Training School. Today, my guest is Emily Kane. Emily is a yoga teacher, Reiki master, author, and owner of a thriving yoga studio in Whistler, BC. I've known Emily for many years and have been impressed and inspired by the passion she brings to every project and the way she inspires those around her with her innovation and dedication. Emily is always evolving, taking on new projects and really living her yoga every day. I am so excited to have her on the podcast today to talk to us about what inspires her and tools and practices she uses to live her yoga. Hi, Emily. Hi, Juan. Nice to be here. Nice to have you here. Emily, can you tell us something about yourself? Something about myself? Uh, well, I live in Whistler, British Columbia, Canada, and that's a place where I get to be inspired by so many different things, uh, all of my passions. I own a yoga studio here and I teach a lot of yoga. Uh, I also um, love snowboarding. I love the mountains and being out in nature. Those are things that are really close to my heart. Amazing. And how did you begin your yoga journey? What was it about yoga that inspired you to dedicate your life to this path and practice? I actually kind of fell into yoga by accident. Uh, I was in my first year of high school and I joined a gym and the gym had yoga classes and I was kind of skeptical a little bit at first, but also intrigued. And this is back when yoga was definitely not a popular thing. And it, it was a little more on the weird woo-woo side. <laughs> and so when I joined my first class, my friend dragged me to this class and, you know, I was a little unsure, but it was interesting because I kept going to the classes, even though, she, you know, she wasn't really interested in it. And I just found that it, it really spoke to me in a very deep way. And even though, you know, I was kind of going for the posture as I was really doing it as a chance to like cross train for other sports, I was doing a lot of athletics at the time, basketball, volleyball. But over time, I, I really discovered that there was something underneath that. And I feel like that was what was pulling me to do more of that. I am always amazed at how you're constantly evolving and growing. I wonder if you could tell us about what inspires you, what keeps you motivated. And you mentioned that part of it, when you started practicing yoga, there was something under everything that sort of called you. Um, has that changed? I feel like if anything, that connection has become stronger and also more clear. Studying the different texts that are at the roots of yoga and understanding the principles that are the foundation of the practice, essentially, um, that are, you know, asana is an important limb of yoga, but that it's not the only thing and that there's so much depth to being able to see that practice in a holistic way. 
And so that's definitely pulled me along. And I feel like life itself has really is really what's kept me anchored and, and inspired in my yoga practice. And even if the the passion to practice asana all the time wanes, that there's other things that keep drawing me back. And when you started your yoga practice, how many years ago was that? It's over 18 years now. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the 19th year. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So when you started your practice, do you remember what you were doing at the time? You mentioned some sports. Uh, I think it was like basketball or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I like in terms of what I was doing at the time, like in terms of like outside of yoga or... Yeah, so I was playing basketball. I was doing volleyball like on on my high school team. And I was also getting into snowboarding. I actually found snowboarding around the same time that I found yoga, like the same year I think actually. And it's funny because I grew up a skier and I'd been skiing most of my life and then I just had this pull to start snowboarding and I really stuck with it and now that's those two things are my life, <laughs> at least in the winter months. <laughs> um, I mean, since I met you, you have been snowboarding a lot. Uh, I remember that you basically snowboard half of the day and then you teach half of the day, or at, at least that's how I see you in my mind. Um, how do you find this balance of the two things that you love together? It's a really beautiful balance. And yes, you, your vision of that is pretty much really accurate. Um, I actually, before this interview, I just got down off the hill. Uh, so that's pretty much what I do daily. We're still like close to the beginning of the season. It's, um, and I haven't really tried to get as many days as I have, but I, I just keep racking them up, which is, which is great. It's nice. And to be able to have some of that flexibility with, with yoga as well. And, uh, and for me, like it's being able to adjust my practice. So on the days that I, that I am riding, especially, you know, if it's, if it's a really big day, then, uh, I'm definitely doing more of the yin and restorative practice and, and nourishing myself and nourishing my body. And then, uh, I'll usually do some, some form of practice that's meant to strengthen and stabilize, but done it in a very intentional way with a very specific focus where I'm not fatiguing myself or, or pushing too much in, in either direction. And then I'll save the more vinyasa, kundalini, hatha for, for the less vigorous days. <laughs> awesome. And, um, do you find that yoga helps you with also making your body more intelligent or efficiency of movement or sort of like awareness that yoga can enhance our, our awareness as we practice it more? Like, do you think that those things help in your with your snowboarding? Because this might help other people as well that might do sports in a constant basis, but also want to get into yoga or have already been doing yoga as a way to balance that lifestyle and to help their bodies heal and be more intelligent? I think it really helps on multiple levels. Uh, in the physical sense, uh, there's many times I've had injuries and I've used it as an opportunity to rehabilitate. I also feel that the mindset of yoga is 
one of the big reasons that it drove me to it in the first place, uh, because I'd always been an athlete, you know, there's the whole like no pain, no gain mentality. And I'd grown up with that and embraced that for a long time. And when I started to realize that there was something else out there, that it was okay to nourish myself, that it was okay, you know, to take a step back and to reflect and to um, do something different than always pushing myself that felt really, really nourishing to do. And not just for my body, but for my mind as well. I feel like that mindset and the way that I used to think has evolved so much from where I am now. Cool. Um, So just um, changing topics a little bit, I want to talk about your book. You recently released your first book, Congratulations. The Energy and Art of Restorative Yoga is the title. And we will link the book in the show notes, just so everyone knows. So what drew you to taking on such a big project? And what was the process of creating a book like for you? There were a few reasons why I decided to write the book. The first was that when I was teaching restorative teacher trainings, I didn't feel like I had an adequate resource for the postures in terms of photos, in terms of descriptions that the books that I had access to and was providing to students to use there, it was almost what I needed, but I felt like having that perspective in my own words was really valuable. What I found with the text is that sometimes I would have to say, this is one way to do it. I would do it differently. And this is why. And writing my own resource made it so that everything was really clear. Everything was really concise. And then beyond that, I also felt that for students in general, that it's important to get a perspective of yoga that's, that's wider than what is seen on the surface. And with restorative yoga in particular, and a lot of yoga practices, when you have a lot of the resources out there um, in terms of the literature, some of them will touch on asana, some of them will touch on the energetics, but there's not many texts, or at least texts that I have found, um, don't combine both. And so... I felt like there was something that needed to bridge that gap to see things from a holistic perspective. Cool. Um, Being a yoga teacher myself as well, I've noticed that there is not a lot of resources out there for restorative yoga. So I agree with you in the sense that I think there, there is a lot of opportunities to share the information of yoga in many different ways from many different people. So I think it's a great thing that you wrote a book. I can't wait to read it. I actually wrote, I actually read the, the intro and I love the story that you share about your mom. And do you mind telling us a little bit about that story that you wrote at the beginning of the book? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I really wanted to open with that quite strongly. And it it starts off uh, with a really like strong um, hook in the sense that it says, Emily, you are a fuck up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, yeah, it's really intense. And then it goes on talking about how I didn't take out the garbage when I was supposed to. And, and uh, my sister was there and she was really shocked. And and, uh, and I, I kind of had this moment of realization that, you know, there's, there's certain people who, you know, I will, I'll never be at that, at that pedestal. And, and for me, I recognize that 
I had to be enough, that I had to see myself as enough. And I think there's, you know, linking kind of what I said before with uh, always pushing and always striving. I felt like that mindset for me was extremely damaging. And so for me to take that perspective and to apply it to restorative yoga, a practice that's built on on doing less and being comfortable and, and being enough, I felt that this story set the tone for the rest of the book. And, uh, and you know, it's interesting because when I initially wrote that, it was even before like I had had my vision for the rest of the book because I knew that was the tone that I wanted for um, a book that I was writing and everything else started to come together. And, uh, and I didn't tell my mom about it initially. <laughs> and I actually didn't even tell her about it until the book was released. Um, but I did actually, because she hadn't read the book yet and she said she was going to read it. So I actually had a really good conversation with her over, over Zoom. And, and I actually feel like it's strengthened our relationship. And a really interesting thing she said to me when I told her this story and I read it from her straight from the book, um, she just said, wow. And I said, you know, I, I wrote this story because I think it, a lot of people can relate to it. And the people that they love the most are sometimes the ones who can hurt them the most. And, you know, and I know that she loves me and I know that she cares about me. And she's said, um, I don't even remember that. I don't even remember doing that. And one thing that I think of is, you know, when these circumstances happen that, you know, that the ax forgets, but the tree remembers, right? So it's, I felt an even more important lesson for me too, that my actions and my reactions to other people have, can have such a powerful impact. Amazing. Um, I just want to say that um, I have worked with Emily teaching teacher trainings. We have traveled to New Zealand together. Uh, we have been in Whistler together. So it's just really nice to see someone I know writing a book and it is very nice to see also the way that you have written this book in a way that the beginning of it is is in a way different from other yoga books. A lot of the yoga books tend to sort of go straight into the information. And I like that you have told stories about you and your experience with your life and restorative yoga. So, yeah, I just wanted to say that um, I'm very proud of you, actually, that we have been colleagues for many years and you wrote this and it's refreshing. And I think that is different than a lot of the stuff that I've seen out there. Thanks, Juan. That, that really means a lot. And, and the stories, you know, like I said before, with, with life is that life really is the inspiration for our yoga practice and being able to apply these directly is a big reason why we stick with this and why we stick with this practice. For sure. So I just want to ask you another question. Uh, and this question is more about sort of this year actually about last year because because now we are in 2021 <laughs> my mind is still in 2020 um anyways but um so so 2020 was a year of massive change for so many people what are the personal daily practices you use for self-care and to look after yourself while undergoing change or big projects for me i feel like Yoga and meditation and particularly meditation and pranayama has been very useful to me. Uh, there's quite a few types of pranayama that I've been applying regularly and to stay very present. And I think that's really for me, like the lesson of this past year is to just 
remain really fully present. And I think what has shocked a lot of people and certainly myself is that, you know, we kind of coast along in life, or at least for me, coasting along and, you know, everything's going on one tangent and so quickly, so fast, something can switch and go on a completely different path uh, unexpectedly. And so to stay rooted in what's present and to take things day by day, that was a that was a big lesson for me, especially back in the spring when things were extremely uncertain, was just to take it day by day and to stay really fully present. And I feel like my meditation and pranayama practice has been extremely valuable right now. Awesome. And do you feel that uh, sort of the way that many people re- reacted to the pandemic and were affected by the pandemic, do you feel that it opened up other opportunities for you to work on other things? Like, for instance, the book, did you feel like you were able to finish the book because of the pandemic or or how how do you see your time during the pandemic and how it was used? Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt like my my instinct and kind of my default is that kind of mindset that I grew up with that pushing striving and I actually to be honest I took a big step back in a big way uh and I like watched movies with my husband and I really like just kind of coasted along and I accepted that like in my heart like you know right now is a time to take a step back like the world is essentially stopping and it's okay to slow down and just to really focus on that. And I've had a big focus on my health as well. And just working on a few things that way. I mean, I'm an extremely healthy person already, but I feel like there's still some things that I want to focus on. And, and so that space just allowed me to, to refocus my energy in a, in a powerful way, even if it was kind of thrust upon me. (laughs) Great. Um, So, so far we've talked about your journey to becoming a yoga teacher, snowboarding, your book. So, but you're also a Reiki practitioner. And I would love for you to talk more about Reiki. How do you think that Reiki could be a practice that could impact our lives? For me, Reiki has been... It's been something that I've integrated with my yoga and meditation practice. And it's something that's been extremely valuable to check in with myself. And what I've noticed when I treat other people is that I can pick up on subtle energetic shifts. And for myself, it's a little harder because I have a bit of a a bias because I know what's going on in my mind. I know what's going on in my life. I know what's going on emotionally. Um, But what I've found is that the Reiki allows me to fine tune what I can feel and experience and also send energy intentionally to these spots that need additional attention and care. Beautiful. And for those that may not be too familiar with Reiki, could you explain a little bit about what Reiki is? Reiki is essentially the same as prana, what in yoga we would call life force energy. Uh, It is also referred to as chi in some traditions Essentially, it is universal life force. And what you're doing when you're practicing Reiki is you're acting as a channel, a channel for this energy. And that energy, you can connect to it. You can call it like divine light. And you connect that through your crown and you essentially channel that energy out through your hands and you can 
use it to help heal spaces, either physically, certain injuries, or you can apply it to mental, emotional, um, more spiritual aspects as well. And honestly, a lot of those things are tied together. We look at physical manifestations of disease, and that usually has an energetic component as well. Amazing. Now, Emily, what tips or practices could you suggest for our listeners about how to stay inspired and how to navigate the process of evolution and change? I would say to, for me right now, and this is probably a bit of a bias, (laughs) uh, but I would definitely say for me, restorative yoga has been extremely valuable right now. And that practice of slowing down, that practice of being fully comfortable. Uh, If you do have props at home, then those props are very, very valuable. And if you don't have props, the nice thing about restorative yoga is that all of the things that you have at home can be utilized in your practice. You can use a wall for legs up the wall. You can use the side of your couch. You can use pillows that you have. And I think being able to sit with yourself for a long period of time to allow yourself to unwind and to allow those thoughts and things to finish churning, uh, that stillness on whatever level that you can achieve stillness is very, very valuable. So nice to hear that. So Emily, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights and wisdom with our community. Where can people find you, Emily, online or in person these days? So right now you can find me online. I'm on most platforms on Emily Kane Yoga. So Instagram, TikTok, at Emily Kane Yoga, and that's Kane with a K. And uh, you can also find me at Yoga Kara. And Emily, what exciting things do you have coming up this year? This year, uh, teaching public classes, honestly, for me right now, that's extremely exciting. <laughs> Considering 2020, where didn't get to teach as much as I would have liked to. Um, teaching at the studio, Yoga Kara. So that's a wonderful blessing. Uh, I'm hoping that in the spring that I would love to offer some Reiki courses. Um, as a Reiki master, I'm able to um, I'm able to train other people to practice this healing work on themselves. So I'm really hoping to do that. And those are a couple of things that I'm just really excited for for 2021. Can you remind your listeners where the um, Yoga Kara studio is located? Yes, we are right in the heart of Whistler Village, very close to the lifts or essentially anywhere in Whistler. It's very central. Perfect. So this was so nice to be able to talk to you, Emily. Um, We haven't seen each other for a while. And I am very happy that I was able to interview you and to see how you're doing, especially after 2020. And uh, all the best and all the best luck with your book. And I'm sure that there is going to be many, many other amazing projects that you will start and that you will be successful at. So thank you for sharing your time with us. Thanks so much, Juan. Thank you for having me. Take care.